are listening to From Sobriety to Recovery with Jesse Mogul, episode 53. Welcome to the show. Welcome back, everybody. My name is Jesse Mogul. You are listening to From Sobriety to Recovery. I am in addiction recovery. I love it. Hope you're loving it, too. Hope this finds you in a great place. If it doesn't, I hope that you have all the tools and the resources near you to help you get into a good place. As always, I really just love this community. I'm loving the feedback. I'm loving the participation. I'm loving being sober. I'm loving it all. I'm loving it all. And tonight I went to one of my favorite meetings. And this is the one, if you've listened in the past, where um, we get these passages from a book. I call them poems, but they're really not. They're passages. Each of them has a theme based on the date of the year, right? So today's was March 2nd. So today's is on blame. And as always, I'm just honored to have you with me for the 30 minutes or so that we get each week. Of course, for those of you who are participating over at From Sobriety to Recovery on Instagram, please continue. Uh, send me direct messages. Uh, co- comment on my posts. I definitely see those. The DMs can get a little bit wicked. And I'm very mindful of just keeping my social media. Um, just I'm, I'm very mindful of how much time I spend on social media just because I know of uh, the traps of it, the ding-dings and the bling-blings and the likes and the loves. And, you know, honestly, you know, I could sit there and I I would love to be able to respond to everyone who writes. In many cases, I try to at least answer questions that you pose there. So please, by all means, um, hit me up on Instagram, at From Sobriety Recovery. Um, I need to be better about the Facebook page. So if you're going to Facebook and you're putting things in, at From Sobriety Recovery there, or requesting messages to my Jesse Mogul account. I don't always see those. Again, social media is just such a wicked beast for me. I got super, super addictive behavior-ish about it this time last year. And because of that, I'm just very mindful of how much time I spend on there. So if you're sending me messages via Facebook and I'm not responding, I'm not being rude, I'm being mindful of my own uh, boundaries I've set with social media, um, by all means, please go over to Instagram, comment on any of my posts. It doesn't even have to be about the post. It doesn't even have to be about the post. Just say what you'd like to say. Throw me a DM, and I will go through them and uh, respond if I can. I try to because I tell you what, some of you just send the most heartfelt messages, and it just it's super touching, and I get verklempt whenever I read some of these. It's just... Y'all are some amazing people, and you're super strong, and you're super amazing and brave. And I just wanted to commend you for what you're doing on your end for your sobriety and your recovery. Um, I love when I come back from these meetings. I just There's such a rejuvenation that I get from them, especially this one in particular, because it's one for people with a year or more of sobriety. So we've all passed that pink cloud phase. Uh, we've all moved into the addiction recovery aspect of it where we're you know, really focusing on getting our spheres, career, self-relationship uh, in order. And in many cases, it's really just relationships and self that we're talking about. Um, oftentimes when career gets brought up, it's just in terms of how that's affecting ourself and in our relationships. And so today's was on blame. Very powerful. If you've heard any of these episodes in the past where I talk about this, let me see if I can go through my show notes and see any of them off the top of my head. Um, where hopefully I would have, 
there was a shame and anxiety one in for the thirty episode thirty, but I don't think that was specifically was about one of these poems. Now, now I'm all the way back into the teens. What was the last one I did? Let me let me just bear with me here as I flip over these. Um, relationships, self, self and spiritual, emotional. Uh, self-emotional. Those are, some, those are some great episodes. Go back to those late 30, early 40 ones. Those are great. I can't seem to come off of any one at the top of as I'm going through the show notes. I know I've done other ones in the past uh, where I've read the poem and then I've gone and discussed it. So let's jump into it um, as my attempt to go back and tell you other poems that I've gone over isn't quite working right now. <laughs> so, And maybe in the past I haven't actually just... C- named them what they uh what the poem was about but this time blame is just so spot on and so I'm, let me get, let me read it i'm gonna read it through once and then we'll all I'll decipher it sentence by sentence so um here here we go today i see that blame doesn't work it doesn't work for two reasons one no one really escapes from a family illness and gets better until they identify the illness that is within them this is particularly true as i get older It doesn't matter anymore where the illness came from. What matters is how it works inside of me and what I do from there. Two, blaming someone else only keeps the focus off of me. The way for me to get and stay well is to keep the focus on myself, to learn who I am, and to develop my own self. When I blame, I postpone my own recovery, and all the recovery that I have attained cannot serve me when my intention and mind are on someone else. Then there's a final quote, I recognize that blame doesn't work, and a really great quote from Jesse Jackson, it says, never look down on anybody unless you're helping him up. And I just, that, man, I tell you, that's some powerful stuff, because I really, really work hard at just checking my behaviors, checking my thoughts, anytime uh, my ego, uh, my hubris might get in the way of me actually connecting with someone else. And so it's just really Really powerful quote. Never look down on anybody else uh, unless you're helping them up. And I think I'm going to turn that into an Instagram meme um, here in the next couple days. So blame. Well, goodness gracious. Um, Let's start back over because there's some really great stuff that I discussed, everybody discussed at the meeting tonight. And I really want to make sure I cover it and I do so in a a succinct manner as I am possibly capable of. (laughs) So today I see that blame doesn't work. I think that at some point, regardless if you're day one or day 1,000, you have got to come to the conclusion that blame doesn't work. That blaming somebody else for wherever you're at in your life, for whatever you've accomplished or not accomplished, takes away the responsibility of you making those choices. right? So blaming anyone for where I'm at in my life, even old Jesse, and we'll get into that later, is not helpful. Right, because when you're when you do blame, what you're really doing is you're you're living in the past, right? You're you're keeping your head in the past because you're trying to justify where you're at now based on what somebody else may or may not have done to you then. So today I see that blame doesn't work is how the poem opens, and I think that we can all agree on that. Um, if you can't, then continue listening because this is going to really help. <laughs> it doesn't work for two reasons. One, no one really escapes from a family illness and gets better until they identify the illness that is within them. Now, let's let's really look at this for a second. No one really escapes from a family illness and gets better until they identify the illness that is within them. 
And this is really this is this is really powerful um, because I mean, let, let's continue because really there, there's there's a nature versus nurture that I want to bring up, and there's my brother uh, and I and the way our lives have gone based upon the same hereditary DNA that's floating in us. So you don't, no one really escapes from a family illness and gets better until they identify the illnesses that is within them. Yes, there's an addiction in, that runs in my family, but what was the illness? What was, what was, let's go a step up from just the addiction and let's, what was the illness that I was suffering from that basically made me th- allowed me to think that my behaviors when I first got into alcohol and drugs was acceptable. Um, I look back and, and I see uh, the illness that was in me, uh, whether medically considered an illness or not, I would see it more as just the suffering of sadness, of uh, loneliness. Uh, my family moved away from my main family when I was four years old. Um, I didn't see my biological father from the age of three till I was 17. So throughout my childhood, there was this uh, feeling of uh, isolation and of loneliness and of despair that came from watching your mom get Crohn's disease at eight years old and then having to deal with all of the ramifications from that. Um, I've talked in great deal detail about that. I believe if you go back to one of my Valentine's Day episodes, um, I really get into the history of my mom, and I will tell you that one uh, of course, it doesn't want to just pop up for me. Um, and it's not going to. Valentine's Day and Mom, Episode 8. <laughs> that was early in this whole show's run, so it was last Valentine's Day. So if you want to know more about Mom and getting Crohn's and how that led to my addiction, please go back to Episode 8. So by identifying the illness within me, you know, I, I can see that suffering from all of that um, just further instigated it, right? It was sort of like kerosene already on to a susceptible DNA structure, right? It's like, oh boy, look at what my history can sort of uh, say that could become a possibility. And now let's add in all this emotional immaturity and, you know, sad childhood. You know, I mean, the one thing we all have in common, um, even as humans, not just as addicts, but as humans, is that we're all suffering from something. We're all suffering from something we didn't get as children. We're all suffering from something that happened to us at a young age that we have now just begun to loop in our heads back then. We're not begun like we just started doing it now, but we were doing it way back then. It can happen when you're in the womb. It can happen from the moment you come out. You don't know when the unconscious mind starts to loop on these quote-unquote traumas and tragedies. It just happens. And next thing you know, you're 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 years old, and you've been looping this tragedy in your head over and over and over again. So we're all suffering from something, is the moral of that little one-minute diatribe. Um, This is, back to the poem, this is particularly true as I get older. This is saying that no one really escapes from a family illness and gets better until they identify the illness that is within them. This is particularly true as I get older. This is key because I think that there is sort of a naivete. Um, we are just so in our own little worlds. Up, we're up our own asses, for a lack of a better term, when we're young. You know, we're, in, we're, we're invincible. Uh, we know everything. Nobody can touch us. No one can tell us anything. And it's not until you get older that, you know, of course, when you get older, you get wiser. You start realizing you aren't invincible. You don't know everything. Um, the world doesn't owe you crap. 
right? This whatever entitlement you may have thought you got when you were a kid because your parents treated you a certain way, the world has a great, great ability to pop us all in the nose and put us in our places. And so I love that part. As we get older, it's really when we figure this out. Now, there are those young kids who sort of have a little bit more figured out than other young kids, but there will not be an 18 to 25-year-old who can possibly relate to what life is going to hand them by the time they get to 45. By that time, at least a couple loved ones have died, family, friends, somebody important to you has died. You've lost a couple animals. Like You really know loss and sadness. And of course, there's a lot more time from 25 to 45 to really let addictions uh, of all manner seep in. Um, from 18 to 25, it's like really... Even if you had a really bad childhood and you started in like at ten or eleven using, um, you know, boy, goodness gracious, you know, accelerate that all the way up three more decades. You're as you get older, you really start to see things differently. We hope, right? How many of those people do you know that are still partying their asses off forty, fifty, sixty, like there's no tomorrow, and you're sitting there and you're like, man, I don't know how they do it, and I hope they figure it out because. You know, I see some of some people still drinking like I did three years ago, and they're in their sixties. And I'm like, borrow time. So, the next sentence really is where it starts to click the blame on here. It doesn't matter anymore where the illness came from. What matters is how it works inside of me, and what I do from there. This is where I will draw the comparison to my brother and I. Right, we both have the same dad, different moms. Addiction runs on both sides of our family, so we have that in common. Whereas I was told at like eight or nine years old about the addictive um, nature of my bloodline, and I heard it as permission. And I know I've discussed this in other episodes. I heard it as permission, whereas my brother heard it as a warning sign, and so he was very mindful of his um, drinking. I don't think he really ever drank till his 21st birthday, and he was always extremely mindful of it. He didn't partake in any of the drugs. Um, just really, you know, kept his head on his shoulders. Um, he was a very faith-based man, still is. And, you know, of course, he was raised in a different kind of household where there was structure, um, there was faith, there, there was uh, accountability, there was emotional maturity because my father, uh, our, our dad's, the one we share, because I do have a stepdad I talk about once in a while named Steve, but this is Rusty. Um, he was a drug and alcohol abuse counselor, so he very much understood emotional maturity, and, and I really think he had his finger on the pulse of how to raise a child in an environment that allowed for um, vulnerability and for um, accountability and for um, just to be there for one another, you know, really for support. And I look back when mom got the disease at eight and stepdad was always working 12, 15 hour days. Uh, he definitely was one of those spare the rod, spoil the child kind of parents. Um, there wasn't a lot of structure in our household. So I had to create all my own structure. And so whereas I heard it as permission to start using, he heard it as a warning sign. And both of our lives uh, turned out very differently. And so when you start to think to yourself, um, what matters is how it works inside of me and what I do with it from there, all right? It doesn't matter where the illness came from. It doesn't matter if your mom, dad, sister, brother, it doesn't matter who was predisposed, how it got in you, if it was ever even there. There, right? there are, I have no doubt there are people who said, oh, 
drinking drugs wasn't even in my bloodline. Just like there's people who are going to get cancer when their family genetic structure is not predisposed to it. It can just happen, right? But now you know the illness is inside of you. So now what matters is what you're going to do with it from there. See, we can't unring the bell. I can't be sober for 20, 30, 40 years and think that I can go back to having a beer or two and everything's going to be all hunky-dory. I don't even let myself think that far in advance, right? If I'm 99 years old and it's the day before I turn 100 years old, I'm like, well, I might want a beer. So what does that mean? What am I doing? Going to give myself permission to drink now because I might want a beer, you know, 57 years from now, (laughs) you know? Like, right, we're doing this one day at a time, but, you know, and I think you can go back to episode two uh, where I talk about, yeah, episode two, I'll never use again versus one day at a time. Um, You know, we're not living in that world. We're today, we're sober. Tomorrow, God, you know, God, people say God willing. I say me willing, universe willing. Like, no one's going to duct tape me down to a bench and make me drink alcohol, right? It's, It's every choice we make is our responsibility. And this goes back to the whole title of this poem, Blame. What matters is how it works inside of me and what I do with it from there, right? I am responsible for my choices. The bell has been rung. I am an addict now. I know that I cannot go back and and, and drink like a normal person. I cannot do any of that stuff. And I'm fine with that because I love this life I've got for myself. And I'm, the fact that I broke free from the shackles is awesome. I, I got out of a 22-year prison. I have no intention, want, need, or desire to go back. So now I'm, I am responsible for my decisions. You're responsible for your decisions. You can't be blaming other people for what got you here right now listening to this podcast. Right now, begin to think like a person who is ready to release blame, accept responsibility for their actions, right? They're all your choices. And now let's move forward. If you And if you're trying to come at me with this whole victim mentality, well, I was this age or, well, I was too naive to know any better, blah, blah, blah. Just stop. Because that's not going to help you. I'm not going to say whatever story you're telling yourself is a lie. I don't know your story. I can't possibly know every one of y'all's stories. But I'll tell you this much. Living in the victim ment- mind state, living with that victim mentality, trying to, trying to go back and come up with reasons for why it's not your fault where you're at right now, is living in the past. It's trying to place blame on other people, and it's not helping your recovery. Great segue to the second portion of this poem. Blaming someone else only keeps the focus off of me. The way for me to get and stay well is to keep the focus on myself, to learn who I am and to develop my own self. Okay? This is really critical. Blaming someone else only keeps the focus off of me. The way for me to get and stay well is to keep the focus on myself, to learn who I am and develop my own self. If you're going and you're living in the past and you're thinking, well, uh, you know, this person did this and this person did that. And, you know, oh, well, my partner yelled at me and threw a plate. So I stormed out of the house. And what else was I supposed to do but go to the bar? No, there are choices, right? Let's go, let's go back 5, 10, 15, 20, 30, however long ago your addiction started, right? You still made those choices. Sure. I was 17 years old. You know, my parents just announced their divorce. 
I went to work. Somebody said, hey, eighth row center, Pink Floyd just came open. Here's a ticket. Here's three joints. Go have yourself a great time. I spent my 18th birthday watching Pink Floyd, eighth row center, getting stoned for the first time. Three weeks later, I'm at a Grateful Dead show. I'm like, shit, yeah, let's try some acid. I bought some grilled cheese with a, with a hit of acid in it. Tripped my mind off. Before you know it, I was into cocaine. And then I got to college. And, of course, alcohol is readily available. And it was all downhill, but I made those choices. I could not sit here and say, well, if my mom hadn't moved to Florida, had stayed close, had been there for me, then I would have made different choices because I don't know if that's true. Now, nature versus nurture would have been, would the light, would it have been more likely that I would have acted differently had my mother been more near, right? Stepdad wasn't doing crap, but sending money. So I didn't have to worry about that dude showing up to Ball State. I was in the clear on that one. Mom, that's a little bit different. I think she just saw my grades my first semester and yanked my ass out and put me back in, back home, made me get a job, and I'd have been going to community college. Again, nature versus nurture, but I'm still making all these choices that got me into the throes of addiction. I took it as permission. My brother took it as a warning. I still have to take the responsibility for my choices. Because if I don't, and if I take the blame from me and blame it on her, right, then that's not helping me get well. Shifting the focus and the blame to someone else isn't helping you get well. Because then you can just, what, you're just going to sit there and just have animosity and anger towards this person for not stepping up and doing what you think they should have done, right? They're off living their own life, too. They've got their own things that they're trying to worry about. Now, I get that when we're 5, 7, 10, 12, yeah, parents are supposed to be more active in our lives and helping guide us. And for a lot of us, we didn't necessarily get that, right? And that definitely does suck. But when the choice to start drinking and using drugs came to us, that didn't, that we, we weren't, pre, it wasn't predetermined that we were going to choose that path. We chose it. Yes, there may have been factors that guided us towards thinking that was a good decision, <laughs> but we still made the choices we made. And by taking the blame from, by trying to blame someone else and taking the focus off of us, what we're doing is stalling our recovery now. I'll go back to what I said at the beginning of this episode, is that blaming someone else is living in the past. And right now, we're, we're, we are present-focused people, right? We're one day at a time. Today we're sober. Today we're working on our recovery. Tomorrow, universe willing, we'll still be doing the same thing. You know, a meteorite could fall out of the sky and plop me down. That would be the only way I still won't be working on my addiction recovery tomorrow. Dinosaur attacks my house. Talking bears come in my room, tell me I stole their honey. Next thing I know, I'm getting mauled. Fine. That's the only way I'm not dealing with my addiction recovery tomorrow is if I'm fighting off bears. Point being is that we're living in the present. We're not living in the past. So therefore, we can't blame someone and be actively working toward our addiction recovery. The two don't work, right? It, it's, it, it's the yin and the yang. You, it's like a, a magnets. You know, when you put the opposing ends and they push each other away, you cannot be blaming someone and working on your addiction recovery. Let's go back to the poem. When I blame, I postpone my own recovery. And all the recovery that I have attained cannot serve me when my attention and mind are on someone else. This is how the passage ends. When I blame, I postpone my own recovery. I foreshadowed 
this sentence because I just said what I said, that the opposing magnets, you cannot be in in a state of blame and also actively into your addiction recovery. You're postponing it. You're living in the past. You're not taking responsibility for your choices. You know, when I first started learning NLP, um, one of my teachers, his quote about maturity is that maturity is understanding that you have to take responsibility for yourself 100% of the time. No one else can, right? You have to put yourself first now. First, first, first. You have to put yourself first because if you don't, everyone else will put you second. You have to show the world that you are putting yourself first. You are prioritizing yourself. This goes for everyone, not just for people in addiction recovery, right? It's like the whole putting the the face mask on yourself in the airplane before somewhat the person next to you. Because if you're struggling for oxygen, you're not going to be able to help them. And there's going to be a lot of opposing conversations about this on whether you should prioritize yourself or be prioritizing others. Even if you're a parent, if you're constantly running yourself ragged, giving, 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 and eventually you crash and you're sick for five days and now you can't participate in anything, wouldn't it have just been better had you been taking a little bit of self-care time each day so you didn't get sick for those five days? Right? You've got to prioritize yourself. You have to prioritize your recovery. And you postpone your recovery when you start playing in this I want to live in the past game. Blaming other people serves no purpose. All the recovery that you've attained to this point cannot serve you if your attention is on blaming someone else. Now let's take this out of the past and bring it into the present. Right? We can sit here and think about all the things that happened to us that got us into addiction and then continued us into addiction. Right? But now, let's live in this world today. Right? Today, you're at work, something goes wrong, you, your project doesn't get turned in on time because another coworker was using the copier when you needed it or another coworker didn't get you their information on time and you know, they should have. And now because of that, the report doesn't get done. So you want to sit there and say, well, this would have gotten done on time had Bob and Sue not screwed the pooch on this one. You have to understand that immediately deflecting blame, one, that's not what a good leader does, right? You see, if you've ever watched any kind of sports, the, the, the starting quarterback, all the good ones, all the ones that we laud for their professionalism and their leadership, the Peyton Mannings, the John Elways, the Tom Brady's of the world, they take on the responsibility for the loss and they deflect the, the, the praise when they win and say, oh, it was the whole team. When they lose, it was, I could have done better. I should have done this better, right? So as a good leader already, you're not blaming Bob and Sue. But number two, if the copier was being used and you desperately needed it, maybe you should have been able to get to the copier earlier. Maybe you should have foreseen that there could be an issue there. If somebody is supposed to get you their information in order for you to finish the report and turn it in right at the deadline, already that tells me you weren't thinking far enough in advance in case the information didn't come in, that you either had a backup or you had time to come up with another source. That's just a random office one I pulled out of my tookish right there. But you got to start looking at where are you right now in your life, placing these little blames when things don't go well. Could you have communicated better? Could you have taken on some more of the responsibility? Maybe you take on all the responsibility all the time. So should you be communicating better to your team so other people take on the responsibility? 
I have this problem at one of my jobs. I end up taking on all the responsibility because I because I either get frustrated that somebody else doesn't already know how to do the job, or uh, or the unwillingness to want to teach them, or the fear that they'll say no, I don't want to do that. Very rarely does anyone ever say that. Right, but there's still a block. So I just end up taking on 80% of the work instead of specifically saying, hey, could you please do that? Hey, could you please do that? I'm clearly being looked at as the leader with or without the title. It's still up to me to communicate what the needs are of the business at the time. So start looking at these little moments in your life that are happening now where you're placing blame on other people and start asking yourself, well, what could I have done to help this situation before it went haywire? What could I have done to, for, to, to, to foresee or to foreshadow this issue earlier so that I would have had a backup, I would have had a system in place for it? Because it's these little moments in our day-to-day lives where we're shifting blame to other people where it doesn't work for us. It doesn't work for anyone. I recognize that blame doesn't work is how this passage ends. Right? If you still in this day and age, after all of these episodes or all these meetings that you've gone to, whatever you're doing for your addiction recovery, if these little annoyances are happening in your day and you're blaming other people for why you're late, oh, I'm late, 405 had traffic, and then this stupid plumber truck got in front of me, and then these people were walking so slow across the crosswalk, could have left earlier. I'm sure you can come up with a million excuses for why whatever time you left was the best time or the only time you could leave. But I guarantee if we were to backtrack, there was some point in your day where your schedule started going a little little sideways where you could have started to figure out how to right that ship so you showed up to that meeting on time. Take responsibility for your actions because if you deflect, especially when you start blaming these abject things like traffic and lights and weather and, oh boy, I would have been here on time, but the bees were swarming my car and I don't know why. Like just reel it in like I'll reel in some of these examples and just think to yourself, how are these little moments in your day, week, month, right? Every hour that you're at work or you're at home, these little these little opportunities where you could be accepting responsibility for how you played your role in this situation, right? And then the other person, it's their responsibility for them to accept their role and th- for what happened in the situation. Everybody is 100% responsible for their communication in conversations, for their communication in within the relationship. Everybody. This isn't a 50-50. It's a 100-100. So if people start deflecting blame at you and you're in a space where you can start to talk to them about why they're blaming you and not seeing their own actions, especially if it's within your partner or your familial um, setting, then definitely bring this up. Because everybody needs to understand their role that they could play. But when you go and you start to use the blame throughout your day, you're setting yourself back. Because blaming someone else and saying, well, I would have gotten that done, but it's their fault I didn't get it done. That, that, that serves no purpose. And, and I'm going to close on this, I think it really takes away an opportunity for you to learn other ways that you could have dealt with the situation. You could have pre-planned for the situation. Right? I'm always looking for ways to be more efficient with my life. And regardless of where it's at, right? if I see something and, I'm like, and it doesn't go the way I wanted, I make a little mental note and it just slide it right back into my unconscious. So the next time that that situation comes up, I already remember, sort of, right? It's already in the unconscious of how 
it didn't work last time. Now I'm going to try a different way. Do that when you start finding these opportunities to blame other people. Start asking yourself, what could I have done differently in order for this situation to have turned out better? And then make a mental note and do it the next time. Because blaming people doesn't work. And last but not least, never look down on anybody unless you're helping them up. I think that we should all take that to heart, especially in this day and age when it seems like so much of our society wants to come up with reasons to be mad at one another over differences that we have. I just think that we should stop looking down at anyone and realize that everybody plays an important role on this planet. Every job exists for a reason. Everybody is here. So let's all love one another. And let's not look down on the pizza delivery person or the person who works at the grocery store or the fast food line or the bank or you know the person on the other end of the phone call whenever you're calling up and complaining because something didn't go the way that you wanted with that business. And remember, that person isn't T-Mobile. <laughs> They're just a person trying to put food on their table and a roof over their head. And they happen to work for the company that pissed you off. <laughs> So find a way to not blame them for what's happening with your life. Come up with a positive solution and spread love towards one another. All right. That's it, guys. As always, inclusive over exclusive is the way to go. The power of positive energy, release and flow. Be kind to one another, and I'll see you next week. Bye-bye.